so welcome back to our podcast. That's it. <laughs> it didn't suck, happy. Welcome back, guys. Um. Okay. So what I wanted to talk about today was uh, Thor. Last week and the week before, we had talked uh, Incredible Hulk and Iron Man. Right. Um, so today, I wanted to actually spend some time focusing on Thor. Right. Um, which I think is going to be a little bit complicated, uh, just because of how his films are a bit designed. Mm-hmm. Um, they were designed to flesh out more of the world than than they were just to flesh out the character. Yeah. Um. So, the first thing that uh, Thor, when Thor one opens up, we open up with uh, Jane Foster, who in fact is a Thor. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, and, and the, the reason yes. for this is uh, a, a writing a writing tactic called nonlinear storytelling. Right. And uh, with nonlinear storytelling, it's exactly what it sounds like. You don't start the story linearly to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that, like you know, you have it, plot points go from like D, F, E, B, A, C. Right. I mean, though some writers are capable of that, and kudos to them. Uh, But oftentimes, um, the most common way that you see this is within, like, the first 15 minutes or within the last 15 minutes Mm -hmm. of the film. Exactly. So, uh, that was funny. (laughs) Take Take it down. (laughs) <laughs> okay um one of the common ways of doing this that i've seen uh done whether it's comic or film is uh the revenge story you kind of find out how i got here it was done in um deadpool yeah uh deadpool 2 deadpool 2 uh and in deadpool yeah and the first one um where where we're being told the story from the main character's perspective but he or she is reminiscing on that. Yeah, it starts off at a later date. Yeah. And they go all the way back and they work their way back to where they started off from. Yeah. And and what Thor does, Thor does something a little bit different when it comes to nonlinear storytelling. They they do it to kind of shift uh focus on on perspective. Um and here they are again playing with perspective. They put, they start the film starting off uh with Jane Foster and you would think Jane is important, but She's not. Um, <laughs> uh, and and when, when we see Jane, you, you actually get a pretty well done scene. And it shows, and I say pretty well done because it, it depicts our character very well. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, so well that we really didn't need many other scenes with her. Um, at least when it came to showing how intelligent she was. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we saw is that she liked to get things done. Uh, like she's a very ambitious and passionate uh, scientist. And yeah. If she believes she's right, it doesn't matter. Come hell or rain, she's out there trying to try to do it. it trying to trying to prove, you know, how right she is. Yeah, and in and to her, it doesn't matter the amount of danger. And this is this is something that is put on heavy emphasis, even if it was to introduce Thor to the audience and to us and you know they do a very to interesting her, yeah yeah they, they do a very interesting thing um with nonlinear storytelling 
because by starting the film off from Jane Foster's perspective, you are in fact starting off from the audience's perspective. And the audience's perspective from this point forward has been from science. Mm -hmm. um, we understand the MCU from a basis of science. science and, that, yeah. and that is Jane Foster's character. She understands things from a basis of science. And they they use this nonlinear storytelling to, to show this. And by showing this, they end up doing uh, something else, which is the next topic, uh, or the next point on, on, the, on today's topic, um, which is mixing worlds. They do mixing worlds very well. Mixing the worlds of man and God versus science and magic. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's as Jane, essentially, the audience is Jane, unfortunately in the movie. <laughs> um, though we know that Thor is actually like, you know, telling the truth when he says I am Thor yeah. of Asgard. Um, essentially though, we're we're from Jane's perspective. We're still in awe every time we see Thor use his abilities. We don't know how his abilities work. For all intents and purposes, the Odin Force is actual magic. Yeah. Um in in how Thor would put it in a very <laughs> funnily uh Funny yet in an idiotic way, it, it's space magic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just space magic, guys. It's, it's something we just don't even we can't even comprehend. Yeah, and even and and that's something that Thor's character actually admits in Endgame that he doesn't understand, like you know how how like you know space magic works, and in, in that admittance, in fact, he admits that he doesn't really understand how his powers work. Exactly. Um, one of the things that uh, I realized watching this film, Odin plays with a lot of mind games with, with his children. Mm -hmm. A significant amount of manipulation goes on with the 15,000, 15 plus thousand years that, you know, Odin raised Thor. He raised Thor believing one that Mjolnir was made for him. <laughs> and in fact, and in right. that in itself was a, a stopgap measure, a measure to like kind of control Thor, um, to make sure that he wasn't doing what he actually ended up doing in his uh, first film, which was starting wars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Odin knew how powerful he could be, um, which is why he took precautions to essentially maintain his his power. He had him. Uh, believing that his power came from Mjolnir, and then when he blocked him from this power, he made it seem like it was still in the hammer. Yeah. Um, in making it seem like though, uh, like who should ever be worthy, you know, to lift the hammer shall like you know will the power. Of power. But I mean, it, it kind of is not to jump mm -hmm. twenty. 19 movies ahead but when cap picks up near near i mean he's like if the thing the thing that that tripped me out is yes the power is within like you said odin tried to you know whosoever be worthy but cap picked that he picked that ish up he was he was throwing lightning bolts around like if he was thrown yes but you also forget that what near was said to be it's a storm is a living storm inside of his inside of his hammer. Well, in the comics, true. In the comics, true. Because but, like in the MCU, they 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 try to make it say well, then I try to, but you know, they they say they that, say that the storm is within Thor, rather, and and yeah. the, the hammer was just 
from a dinosaur. A crutch, mm-hmm. uh, 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 um, whatever you want to call it, or either a crutch or it amplified it or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And, and you can also argue with Thor being the king of Asgard, technically. And consume and, and basically taking all of the Odin force onto himself, even if he doesn't realize that that's what he's doing, he could have honestly granted uh, Captain America the ability to do that. Possibly. Just by him still believing that that's what the camera is. Because then that would also go back to his whole, I knew it. Like, kind of Mark, even though Cap willingly chose not to lift it, in my argument, I feel that he willingly chose not to lift it. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, yeah, he willingly chose. But on another, on another hand, even though Odin, like, Odin did place the enchantment, I mean, I don't know. Like that's the thing about there's a lot of ambiguity the, yeah. with the Odin Force. And, yeah, and this is this is one of the most important things. Is like as a writer, you have to know how your main character's abilities work through and through. Just like if it was your own ability, uh, for for all intents and purposes, you need to pretend that it is your own ability. Yeah. Because when they're put in situations where you need them to be creative and use their ability in a non-straightforward way, this is the time to shine. Mm-hmm. This is the time that you're actually able to do that. And, and we realize that it's Thor's lack of knowledge of his own of how his own power works that actually holds him back. Right. We like after he he spoke to his his uh, to Odin like you know at, beyond the grave in Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. we we see that he kind of like looks beyond this barrier briefly apparently but uh, <laughs> we we've yet to see that that power and we can definitely see it with his next come out if if the rumors are true yeah about, the rumors uh, him being in Guardians, Guardians three and 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 Thor and Thor four, whatever that mm-hmm. may persist of if it's happening. Yeah, if it's happening, and, you know that's the funny thing about rumors. Yeah, and that's something that we're, we're we'll dive deeper in on a free free ball Thursday. Yeah, our next show that's coming out soon. Um. So. Marvel. Okay, so one of my favorite lines uh in in all of MCU happens actually in in Thor mm. where Thor is explaining the nine realms to to Jane mm. and he says and the world tree and stuff like that yeah and, and that magic is just science you yet to discover mm. kind of thing and it's like you you even see this be put into practice in Thor two, when when Jane goes to, to Asgard and she's right. on their their recovery bed, and she they're saying one thing, and she's like, "Oh, she's 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 drawing connections to what she would use in her field of work, like mm-hmm. like an electromagnet, whatever they were yeah. using to to uh, check our yeah, or like in, like they're, they're using an X ray machine on her, and she used the proper term for yeah, an X ray machine. It, it was a, it was a quantum it was a it was a quantum Quantum field uh, generator. Yeah, and and that is a real thing. 
by the way. <laughs> like, in theory, it is an actual, like, it's quantum mechanics. And that's the thing that I actually like a lot about uh, the Thor. There's a lot of real science in there. Um, they actually did a lot of real-world research and referred to actual scientists uh, when it came to building not just Thor, but some aspects of the MCU as a franchise. Right. Um, just to briefly get off the topic, I know for, for Ant-Man and fleshing out the quantum realm, they referred to some actual scientists that are currently at, like, not the top of the field, but up there in the field, in the field of theoretical science. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, uh, I believe they, they referred to actually one of the top people in the field. Um, when it came to like getting ready to flesh out their multiverse and and uh, explaining multiple dimensions and making sure that they're scientifically accurate and everything, and it's mm-hmm. just interesting because we're getting a little bit of magic without it being called magic, right? And and we're when we get that in, in Thor, and it's like it, it's it's super interesting. There's one thing that I actually like for Thor one four is how they take two polarizing different things that was always said to never work together mm-hmm. and say that no, they're just one and the same thing, just two different groups in two different mindsets naming them differently. And 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 that's that's kind of like again, like one of the, the biggest things that I can't put enough emphasis on is is perspective. It, it's knowing what's correct for a character versus knowing what's actual fact is completely different. Mm-hmm. Take, for example, uh, Flat Earthers. For, for Flat Earthers, for all intents and purposes, that's legit. Earth is flat. There is nothing you can do to convince them otherwise that there is no conspiracy going on about Earth being round. Hold on. Go. Hold on. <laughs> You're telling me that Earth is flat? Freaking flat, man. This whole time, I thought it was a cylinder. This whole time, I thought Earth was in a cylinder shape. Like a glass cup? <laughs> I was thinking more. I was thinking more. I can't even. Sorry, guys. No, I don't believe the Earth is a goddamn cylinder. I don't even believe it's flat. It's not flat. Yeah. At so, me all you want, guys. I don't care. But this, this, is, this is my point. For, for people, perspective is everything when it comes to storytelling. Perspective, perspective is everything when it comes to life. My perspective is my fact. And, and, and that's something that has to always be remembered by, like, you know, the writer. The perspective of the character is fact. For, for Thor, fact is magic. Mm-hmm. Magic exists. He goes to school and he learns magic. Mm-hmm. He, he goes to academies for magic. He gets tested on magic. Mm-hmm. But, but for Earth, magic isn't real. Magic doesn't exist. It's only science. And this is how we do these things based off of science mechanically. Mm. Instead of spiritually. Hence the, the polarizing difference in what Frigga called the, the machine versus what Jane, Jane called it. And, and, it, and she, I believe she called it like a spiritual something. Like a, it was something, like a, something along about a soul. Yeah, about being able to look at the soul and, and kill the soul, whatever. Yeah, and it, it was just funny because I she don't said remember it in such a condescending guys. way. And she's like, yeah, quantum field generator. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. she asked the question first. Yeah. And the frigga explained it. And she's like, oh, yeah, no. One of, one of my biggest exactly realizations uh, when, when I was writing 
uh, or while I'm still in the process of writing my entire franchise, mm-hmm. like, you know, anthology. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things that I realized was not just about perspective, but like, you know, when it comes to like language, and, and this is one of the key things to remember, there are 150 plus ways to say ball. I just thought you were going to say hello. I mean, <laughs> there's that too. But I mean, hello kind of looks the same in almost any way. Yeah. So it's like I wanted to pick something a little bit more obscure. Okay, I feel it. There's, there's, there's literally over 100 ways to say a single word in a language. And so you have translation differences. You have, and, and, and it's like whenever we're in school, we play the game uh, telephone. And you realize as things are told across a big, like, you know, population, how it tends to change. It doesn't matter how well it's spoken, uh, like, you know, initially, it will always change by the end person. Right. Um, and, it, and it's like keeping these key things, like these smaller lessons that we learn in life and applying them to your writing is, is super important. And it's what evolves mediocre writing to phenomenal writing. Mm-hmm. People rel- like like to watch things that they can relate to, and if you're yeah. if you're if you're pulling from your actual experience and your own research, then there's only things that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like one of the other things that they 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 I, I feel elegantly gloss over um, is the whole gods and man, um, and they even gloss over it a little bit more so in Guardians of the Galaxy, which we'll get on in later. Yeah, later episodes. Um, But with uh, with Thor, he is literally a god. He he refers to himself as a god, and nobody questions it, because he summons lightning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, why question it? But then it's like, what does that do? Only that, he can... can, uh, A lot of people don't know this because the movies don't really showcase it. But he can actually control the weather. I guess they 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 kind of showcase it in Thor one when he's getting closer to the we hammer. See it, we see it in and, the, and in Avengers, true that is true. Yeah, we see it in Endgame when he gets mad. Yeah, we realize that when he gets when angry, he's calling Stormbreaker and Mjolnir, he causes the he he brings the storm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I hope I really hope we get Storm bringing the storm to Asgard. Man. If we can get, side note, sorry guys. If we can get just a panel of Storm holding her own hammer, which is called the Stormbringer. A panel? Um, a a shot, a scene. I'm sorry, not a panel, a scene. It would be amazing. It would be phenomenal. Just like that uh, uh, heroin shot in uh, Endgame. Oh, yeah, that A4 shot. Yeah. Bad. Ass. I, 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 I cheered. I, yeah, that was, yeah. that was a badass shot. I love when Wasp comes out of nowhere and just like, she just like resizes, just you looks know, around. She's like, let's get it. Like, you know, the only, the only thing I will agree with, what we'll, we'll, we'll have to say when it comes to Endgame is I'm going to have to agree with that certain YouTuber's video that I showed you on the small little one little edit that he would do mm. to make the film a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And have Captain Marvel shout out. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, and you know it's like in just like a little quick quick tip off off topic. If you're ever trying to 
enhance your writing, you always have to learn new skill sets. You mm-hmm. always have to learn new perspectives and and research. And one of those research does include watching a shitload of YouTube videos. And the unfortunate other half of that is reading articles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and like you know, and it all depends on how you want to stay in for your story, how you want to like you know stay in the realm of possibility or outside the realm of possibility. It's just when you establish your rules, you just have to make sure you keep them. And if right. you're breaking them, you have to make sure you're making rules as you're breaking them into why that you know you can justifiably break these rules. Right. Hence Thor and his magic. <laughs> his space magic. Yeah, one of one of the things that, that this film boldly does, um, that I don't think many people actually realize because it was such a subplot of the prior two MCU films, mm-hmm. which was bringing S.H.I.E.L.D. in right. and being such a focal point to, yeah. to, the, to the plot of this film. Yeah. Um, even if they are just merely quarantining Thor's hammer, and that is the only role that they played is quarantining stuff, is significant in the larger Quarantining scene. and taking things. That is quarantining. Learn something new every day. Confiscating also. I guess that's the proper term, confiscating. Quarantining yeah. is the, like essentially like what they did to Thor's hammer. Yeah. Box it around. Box around it. Yeah. Keep it keep contained. Out. Yeah. Um, they couldn't keep it. It has huge benefits for world building. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things that, that they were able to do is use S.H.I.E.L.D. to flesh out the world through the subplot. Um, we know from after seeing this film, uh, okay, so it's like what we know about S.H.I.E.L.D. up until this film. We know, one, they know who Iron Man is now. Mm-hmm. They created the Incredible Hulk, but that is not public knowledge. They yeah. keep that under wraps, as well as the location of Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. who is currently off the maps, mm-hmm. and none of his colleagues know he is alive. Mm-hmm. All they know is that he was approached by Shield, and we're told this in Thor uh, by Eric Selvakin, um, yeah. who is apparently a close friend, which I didn't even know until he told me. Uh, and and after he told me, then he said that line. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he's a close friend of Bruce Banner in the MCU, and he refers to him in that scene while uh, he's trying to warn Jane to back off S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, while S.H.I.E.L.D. is confiscating everything, mm-hmm. he goes, um, he had a friend that specialized in Gamma or something like in, that. In gamma and, radiation. And, and S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. approached him and he, never, recruited him and he, he never heard of him He never heard again. from him again. And, and we know as the audience that is Banner. That's Banner, yeah. But... And this is the elegance also. They didn't have to name drop. They didn't have to show nothing. They didn't have to do anything excessive. It was so slight that most people didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you you can build the world without smacking your audience in the face with it. Yeah. They they have a great use of uh, organizations. Another organization that, that the MCU uses to to kind of spread continuity and to kind of like spread their like uh domain if you will mm-hmm. um is uh Roxxon with them being active in um in um Cloak and Dagger, Cloak and, Dagger and being mentioned in uh I believe Daredevil 
I think. But we, I mean, Roxanne's been the focal point, not a focal point, but they've been dropped since Iron Man. I mean, yeah, Iron Man, Tony and and Iron Man and, and uh, Iron Monger, they have the fight in the in the in the street in front of a uh, Roxanne, or, mm-hmm. and, like. He flies Rox- past has, a Roxxon building. And yeah, Roxxon has been in the background. Cloak and Dagger gets their powers from Roxxon mm-hmm. messing with, you know, the Northern and, and it, and water or whatever. It's small things like this that builds the world. And it's not, it doesn't take away from the plot at all. They don't have Mm-mm. to say, oh, Roxxon is this company. They don't explain it. They wait till it's time to explain it. Roxxon wasn't doing anything right now. Exactly. So it's like, there's no need to explain who Roxxon is, even though they exist. We can say they exist. Just like with like, you know, I'm not going to say mutants because that is yet to be confirmed or not. Yeah. not. We don't know what's happening with them. But just like with Captain Marvel, she was always out there. Before Iron Man said, I am Iron Man, the first time, <laughs> uh, she was always out there. So it's just a knowledge of... What your character is, is, is again, keeping keeping in mind what your character knows versus what your, you know, your audience, your audience knows. Yeah. Um, so the next thing uh, that that uh, that I thought that the Thor film actually, like, you know, put a lot of emphasis on is like Thor knows how powerful he is. And the, the screenwriters actually take advantage of that. And in in and that's one of the ways that they actually challenge his character mm-hmm. and actually try to develop his character. They constantly put him in situations where he's forced to ask, hmm, do I think my way through this or do I brawn my way through this? And Thor almost always chooses brawn. Right. I mean he's a warrior. He is a warrior, but he has to be a king. And that that's his whole metamorphosis. Yeah. At least that's what's introduced to us. Oh, excuse me. Mm. was introduced to us in Thor. And I don't think, I think of all the characters, he's the only character that didn't really get his full development. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, like he we had see development, that. We, but in none of the areas that was first introduced to us. It was, it's not, it's not a complete 360 kind of like how we got with Cap or with Tony. Tasha. Yeah, or Nat. Rest in peace, guys. I know. I mean, we even we even got a bit of a closing for, for Hawkeye. I mean, we're waiting to get more flesh right. out, assumingly that he's gonna be in her movie. Yeah, I mean if she if she if because with her movie, off topic again, that's the thing. It's so just rumor filled. Like I, I read a report that it was gonna take place in the nineties. I I I just read a report that it's gonna take place between um, Avengers and Iron Man 3. So it's like, you know... It, was, it, it could be hopping around. That it could sense. be a period. Yeah, it could be a, a like Flash movie kind of, you know, period Montage. piece, Next whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, back on back on topic aside yeah. from that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Marvel is really good at knowing... Uh, the power of the character, knowing how that power can affect the character in in psychology or physically. Mm-hmm. In the Hulk's case, it's physical. In 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 that physicality, it, it personifies itself in the Hulk. And but it, when Banner comes back, he's weak. 
he he's yeah. like you know it, he's drained he's he doesn't drained. remember he, he gets remember. flashes yeah, he even he even has bouts of i would say PTSD yeah um and, and, we see in the shower scene it's in like, the movie. for for banner it is very psychological but it's also very physical, physical. and it's like it, it's interesting because for thor he knows how powerful he is yeah and, or rather, he thinks he knows how powerful he is, and and that's his hubris. He always goes in headstrong. Why? Because I'm strong enough to get out. Yeah. Woe be the tide who's with me when shit hits the fan. I'll do my best to get you out. You fought well. You died by my side. You died with honor. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that they died in battle was just honorable to him. Yeah, and and I think that's and the have to be by that his side. really strives to kind of that that warrior sacrifice. A king cannot have a warrior sacrifice when it comes to the people. Mm-hmm. And and I and, and I think that's why he's that that's the difference between what what Thor did versus what what Odin would have done. Odin would have sent all his people away with the warriors and would have stayed on the ship by himself. He wouldn't have had anyone with him. Yeah. If he failed, he failed. But his people were safe. And that's a crucial difference. Thor split his people up. In effect, split his power up also. When it was already, like, you know, when he when he was already in tatters, even though, and it's like one of the other things that, like, you know, I felt wasn't resolved with Thor is that Thor doesn't resolve anything. Like emotionally, he just blows it off. Um, whenever he, like his mother dies, I will beat the person. I've gotten my vengeance. Mm-hmm. When when his brother died, we mourned, but I went to war. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and it's like, I wanted to actually rewatch Dark World. I'll do it eventually, but I wanted to rewatch Dark World again because I wasn't sure what specifically caused the nine realms to like you know go out into war was it thor's declaration of war on jotunheim and if that's the case how did it spread off of jotunheim to the other nine worlds well i mean if i'm not i I could be wrong i haven't seen dark world in ages but i i think (laughs) i i don't i think that the opportunity presented itself once the convergence started to happen, because obviously they're able to, if they pinpoint a lo- if they pinpoint it, they're able to hop through dimensions and, and whatnot to yeah. other planets. I, I think they just took it upon themselves and just took advantage of the situation. I don't think at the start they were warring, and. The thing that that movie does is it draws, obviously, it, it, it it's kind of repeating. I don't want to say repeating itself, but that's that's how it is. Like the war with the dark elves starts, originally starts during the last convergence, mm-hmm. and and having the, the ether. Con- the act of the convergence is what causes the war. I don't know. Like like I said, I think it's just them seizing the opportunity. Yeah, and, I mean, know, this is, most this is of them of the, can't travel between dimensions. We gotta, we gotta remember that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when something like that pops off, ever every hundred thousand, whatever, how many years they said in the movie, 
if I'm looking at it, if I want to, you know, cause some trouble and I ain't got a way there, of course, I'm going to be waiting for the next time it's easier, you know, or when the next time the door is open for me or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, and, and this is one of the things that I feel that the second film really struggled with. It, 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 it spent a bulk of its time trying to explain a really complex idea. And, and that's what the reality stone was. You couldn't really call it the reality stone yet. Because it wasn't a stone. Yeah, was... and you had to, like, you didn't need to, you couldn't spoil that it was an infinity stone. But you still need to explain how it worked. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, it's very difficult to explain that this, that this force warps reality without explicitly saying it works reality because you're in, in film you're, you're supposed to show never tell right. and it's always better to sh- see it warp reality than have a then 15 second or 15 minute exposition about, about it. how it works reality yeah but in this film in the second film for thor they definitely sacrifice character development for world development um and and it, it turned out to be for the better because then they didn't have to spend infinity war actually explaining any of the stones right let alone the reality stone. So it's like, you know, you, you sacrifice this character for right now to develop, you know, for the world because, it, you know, knowing that the character will likely still develop in this film as he's in, in description is, you know, the herald for this convergence. <clears throat> But it, it was a, it was a very complex thing to have to explain the reality stone, um, and it's like you know the last thing I wanted to like you know go over, though. But it is is like for the third film how they strip everything away from him. They strip away family. Uh, they strip away like you know, except for Loki, fan yeah. favorite. Uh, but they strip they strip almost every they strip his home from him. Instant fan family, thing, man. Like- uh, in order to place a lot of emphasis on on another flaw mm-hmm. in my opinion um because like i said i don't think he really resolves any of his his flaws uh he's been alive for fifteen thousand years as he says in infinity war mm-hmm. or 1500 sorry i keep saying fifteen thousand. it's 1500 years 1500 years yeah um fifteen thousand is more like oh yeah and it's and it's like for all intents and purposes he's he's kid still he he's equivalent to a kid, and that's that's this place that's was put in the into focus in in the first film when he's chanting himself on so during the during the um during the, the crowning yeah the inauguration ceremony yeah yeah he's flipping here and there doing tricks pointing at people yeah and and showboating and it's like you can see Otis disgust because you know he he's he sees so much of him. But then he sees so much of a child too. Yeah, and and it's like here he's at the age where this is, where this is supposed to happen, so Odin will do it. But is he ready? Odin doesn't think so, Mm-mm. which is why he was so okay to strip his power away, and why that was so such a, a knee jerk response from him. You started yeah. a war, so I'm taking all your power away from you, and I'm banishing you to Earth. To teach him a lesson, while he go fix this war. Well, I think I think it was not only just the war. I think it was the fact that he couldn't see the error of his ways. Yeah. Thor speaking, 
um with you know when 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 they have that that spat Odin Odin calls him a, a child he's like you're acting like a child and you know Thor Thor rebuttals with and you're acting like you're you're acting like an old man and a fool you know that, you can see that those words broke his heart yeah that hurt coming from his son yeah you know not only did those words hurt but it hurt coming him realizing son, the crown. not only that but he was real that he's realizing in that moment that that Thor is literally cementing in place that he just isn't right. Like he's not, he's is the child. He does not see the error of his ways. He thinks all that was right. Yeah. And in the name of Asgard, that that is one growth. I will actually admit that he does have, he has the growth to realize that he's not ready to be king. Mm -hmm. And and, not like how Odin, yeah. How Odin is king. They, they spend so much time on his flaws that there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like we we have a long road uh, with Thor being a fifteen hundred year old god who, quite frankly, is stubborn as hell. I mean, we we know that his character development is over as we see him go off with the Guardians. Yeah, and you know, and we still see that he still kind of have this childish persona mm-hmm. with the whole him and Star Lord touching them all. You know who's in charge of the ship. You know what yeah. I mean? That whole thing. And then stuff like that. So, but yeah. I'm, I mean, Thor is still one of my favorite characters. Definitely. He's, definitely and, yeah, and Hemsworth yeah. does a, a hell of a job yeah, portraying I, I, him. I for sure can't wait to see more of him. Yeah. I mean, um, if the rumors are true, if, if, if he is going to be in Guardians 3 and there is making a Thor 4, then I'm vastly excited. Yeah. So. Uh... Well, we're going to have to, this video went on, or this podcast went on a little bit longer than Longer. Yeah. Um, it's the longest episode we have. As of yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't worry, guys. It'll definitely get longer. Um, <laughs> but till next time, uh, next episode, we will be talking Cap. Oh, Star Spangled Man with a plan, I see. Jesus, I hate this song so much. <laughs> All right, man. It was a good talking to you. All right, man. All right, later.